Support for this podcast comes from Make Noise, founded in 2008 by self-taught instrument designer Tony Rolando in a spare bedroom at his home in Marshall, North Carolina. Make Noise is now a team of folks making strange, thoughtful synthesizers in West Asheville. Their instruments are meant for sonic explorations as much as they are created to collaborate with artists performing live, scoring films, and making records. You can find out more about Make Noise at makenoisemusic.com. From Citizen Studios, this is The Mezzanine. I'm Cass Harrington. My guest is musician Roberto Carlos Lanque, who goes by Helado Negro. His music is hard to classify, as he creates sounds and textures electronically in his studio. Some songs feel like a shimmery disco track, others are meditative and soft, and he sings in both Spanish and English. It might be best to say that he's created a genre distinctly his own. This past year, Elado Negro released his seventh full-length album called Far In. He says it's the record he always wanted to make. We're going to talk about the songs and the stories behind them, but first, let's take a listen to one of the tracks off of Far In. It's called There Must Be a Song Like You. That's the track, There Must Be a Song Like You, off of Elado Negro's latest album, Far In. Roberto Carlos Lange, welcome to The Mezzanine. It's great to have you in the studio, and I love this album. For our sake today, I just want to start where we are right now. You recently moved to Asheville. Welcome. What what brings you here? Thank you. It was inspired through just everything that happened last year in terms of just being locked down. My partner and I, we were, we went to Marfa, Texas last year to work on a project. And then being in Marfa really um, reprogrammed our brains to realize like, oh, we can live somewhere else. And it was like a really simple thought. And just having that push, that realization of being able to live somewhere else spurred this momentum to just find that other place. We had ended up driving back from Texas to New York and made a lot of pit stops. And one of the pit stops was Asheville. And you had been here before on tour, right? Yeah, mostly playing shows throughout the years for the past like 10 years. Like maybe I'd been here like a handful of times. So what what about Asheville made you want to call it home? But it struck me as a place that um, was different enough in terms of the South. I grew up in South Florida and I lived in Savannah, Georgia, and I lived in Atlanta. Kind of had a, a good lay of the land in terms of the South, but Asheville felt distinctly different than anywhere else in the South. Didn't feel as big city-ish as Atlanta or Charlotte. It just has this kind of quiet power to it where you're inspired by by a lot of the nature. And I think that's like one, one been one of the biggest things for us was to be able to find a place that has like a, a deeper connection to nature. I never grew up having that kind of connection in Florida. 
you're surrounded by an idea of nature, like the beach is there. And growing up, you have that all the time. It's kind of like a constant companion as you live there. You're always driving by it or you're always seeing it. It's a really special aspect of nature, but I think here it's just as it was in Marfa where it was like we had this, for me, a whole new inspired connection through nature because it was it's so opposite for me in terms of Florida. Where instead of water, there's no water. That's interesting. So your time in Marfa, that new context away from New York showed you your own adaptability or your own desire to be surrounded by nature. Yeah, for sure. So there's this reconnection and re-understanding of, um, of how to like have nature in my life. And then I felt like coming to Asheville, there's like a proximity to it where it just felt comfortable. And so, so learning how to be here, and I think that's, that's one of the many reasons, but I think that's the most um, energizing reasons for sure. And then, of course, in the background of your time on the road was the pandemic. And that was a moment that I think brought out deeper reflection in all of us, you know, reevaluating how we want to live and work and spend our time, right? Yeah. Coming back home to Brooklyn and, and, and feeling like it was a different city. I mean, beyond the pandemic, beyond the lockdown, us watching what we considered home for the past 15 plus years, it was very tragic in terms of the way it was hitting New York with the amount of people getting sick and dying. And then also the movement and protests that were happening like last summer in New York, the city was like really um, going through a lot of different um, just feelings and, 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 and changes in terms of like identity and social commentary. And so coming back to that, we were like definitely sensitive to see and understand like what people have been through and what what we came back to was like a lot of people had moved or left or because of a lot of different things i mean people lost work and jobs and didn't know how else to survive in new york i think a lot of people have been trying to address like what it's like to live as an artist or live as anyone in a city like that so that these are the things that were like in my mind trying to figure out how to um deal with that but so that pushed the ball pretty far down the field in terms of creating and knowing time was a little more finite in New York and so spent a lot of time just going to the studio every day it's the second I got back from Marfa I worked from September until like I think March working on the album and it's kind of a wild turnaround to have the record out soon after that it was finished it's that's like usually not the case and I don't know if that answered your question but there was like a lot going on yeah, well, it sounds like a lot of um, self-analysis and questioning. The record you put out, I think, captures a lot of what you're describing. Some of the songs sound like you're processing and meditating and even leaving the door open for others to try and make sense of this moment we're in. And then on top of that, when you finished making Far In, you said it's the record you always wanted to make. So what does that feel like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I thoroughly enjoyed making this album. I've been making work for a long time. I've been releasing music under different names and then also under El Lado Negro for a long time. And I think talking specifically to that idea of like making the album that I've always wanted to make. Sometimes you work for so long and you share for so long and you definitely have a moment where all of a sudden everything kind of flows because it's not because you've been there before and it's it's kind of like a path that you've beaten down. But it's more like you've gained all these different kinds of experiences. 
and even when you're like kind of like traversing new territory you use all these these experiences to kind of problem solve things that you've never really encountered before and they just click it works for those moments and I think that was the process I guess like an idea of like what it felt like to make this record where I was like I've already been so many places and then making it I already knew the things that I wanted to do but as I was making them I was like further feeling and seeing more things than just the things that were in my head which was nice yeah well I want to listen to uh, the track off your album called mirror talk You've changed, that's what they'll say Even though they don't know where you've been Can you make my arms reach out? So the name of the song, Mirror Talk, um, is a play on words, right? Like pillow talk? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> what I think of, especially when I went back and looked at the lyrics, was just those intimate discussions you have with your romantic partner, pillow talk. But in this case, you're talking to yourself. <laughs> Am I on to something? I mean, you tell me. I, I, I like hearing what you what you feel and what you hear. Yeah. Well, the line, the line that touched me is because you've painted my face with a touch of gray and I know I'll see you every day with the same face. And um, even though I'm not, grouting, I'm not sprouting gray hairs on my face, um, I do have a couple on my head. Uh, I can relate to that feeling of like settling into yourself and knowing like, I don't have to shout about who I am anymore. This is the same face I'm going to be seeing for the rest of my life. I better get comfortable with it. Yeah. Was that an effect of quarantine? Was that, are you reaching your midlife moment? Where, where did that come from? It, it definitely wasn't an effect of quarantine. And I actually wrote it the week I was finishing my last album, This Is How You Smile. So during that week that I was finishing This Is How You Smile, I... Uh, was just done with working on that album and I just wanted to make something new but I hadn't finished the record and so I wrote a bunch of songs that week and then I was like oh man I need to finish this album before I'm like writing all these new songs but I knew with Mirror Talk that it was kind of this guiding star it was creating a palette for what I wanted the record to be like and to sound like and lyrically I think it really um it was more of like a foreshadowing like I knew with the last record I I had moved past something that I would like I had been thinking about for a long time in terms of like identity and myself and and I think with Mirror Talk it was like me addressing this moment of moving beyond that not like it's like a radical change but it's like more of like a you know we all just want to do better and I think that's the idea with that song for me it's just like identifying that hmm and do you feel like I don't know music for you you have less of a point to prove now you can just like settle in and enjoy the process when I finished This Is How You Smile, before that, when I finished Private Energy, I actually felt like that. I was like, I don't really have to prove anything. Not settled in like, this is the thing I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but trusting more so that what good or bad, I know I have, I have control over what I'm doing. But also like, there's always like this constant curiosity of searching for some impossible ideas and trying to see what's possible with those impossible things there's a joke in here too there's a joke well not a joke but there's like a a really like goofy funny reference here that 
lyric specifically is like referencing like a Grateful Dead song to that song Touch of Grey. And I don't know if you know this, I'm not like a, um, I'm not a deadhead, but I'm what they would call a touchhead, which is like someone who got into the Grateful Dead through that song. And I remember seeing that video online. And so anyways, you hit, you hit two things and I'm glad you hit them because I feel, I feel like not a lot of people notice that. And it's such a nerdy thing. <laughs> well, I think, I think a lot of folks will appreciate there is a, a Grateful Dead scene here. <laughs> well, speaking of fun, you know, there are also songs that are just, you know, ready for a dance floor. Actually, there's one I'm thinking about in particular, Gemini and Leo. Let's take a listen. So that was Gemini and Leo, and uh, I hear that's a song about you and your wife, Christy, right? Yeah, well, it's inspired from, from us. It's like, it's inspired from the idea of like our star signs. I was like thinking of Gemini and Leo, and then I put it as a melody, and then I was like, damn, I like that. You know, it sounds good. I should write around it. And so it wasn't necessarily about us, like a literal like description of our life or anything like that. It was just kind of like inspired from this this small seed and then I was like well let me just see what what it would mean to like think about this as a song that um describes a relationship or an idea of like what what that could be like and kind of giving permission to exist within that relationship however you want to exist and not not thinking about it as like this kind of like traditional like union you know Mm -hmm. well the song when you dive into the words it sounds like you all have a partnership that flexes it flexes with time. Right. What has the past year been like in relationship? I think it's been good. I hope. <laughs> From my perspective. I'll fact check. I'll give her a call. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard. I, I think I think about other people who were locked down and were solo, didn't have anyone. And I think that was probably really hard for them. And I think we were so grateful and appreciative to have each other and more so to be around each other, like people that we wanted to be around. We actually dig hanging out with each other. I think that's what it was like. And and I think on another side of that, I tour a lot. I, I'm out on the road a lot. And so it was a new realization of time spent together where like that was like maybe the most time we'd been together for a long, long, long time. And spending that much time together just reinforces so much of anything, you know, with partnerships relationships you know I think that's the only way it actually like blooms you know that's beautiful I'm glad you have that (laughs) thanks we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk some more with Elado Negro stay with us support for the mezzanine comes from make noise a synthesizer manufacturer in Asheville North Carolina Make Noise's standalone synthesizer, the Ocoast, is a single-voice patchable synth. Its name reflects the fact that it incorporates techniques from both East Coast and West Coast synthesis without loyalty to either. 
Anyone curious about modular synthesis will find a welcoming entry with this instrument. You can hear the Ocoast on El Aldo Negro's record, Far In. You can also play one for yourself at Coda Analog Store, right inside Citizen Vinyl. To learn more about Make Noise's full collection of synths, check out MakeNoiseMusic.com. Hi, my name is Cassie, and I run Coda. It's the record and art shop inside Citizen Vinyl. One of my favorite moments is when we get a brand new, fresh box of vinyl, and it's kind of like opening presents, but they're not for me. But they're for you, so come by and check it out and see what we have. A lot of cool, interesting things all the time. You never know what you'll find. You're listening to The Mezzanine. I'm Cass Harrington here with Roberto Carlos Lange, who goes by Helado Negro. So, Roberto, something that we discuss on this program is how history or methods of the past show up in music and art. And your music is largely crafted electronically using technology that I don't know how to use, like synthesizers and tape delays. Um, But what would you say that links your music to the past? I think what's distinct about my project as Helado Negro is is my voice, is me singing, and I think that I don't come from a tradition of music in my family or, or singing or anything like that. I've learned to sing and kind of understand what it means when I sing in my own way. And I think there's a tradition within everything. There's like a, um, a widely accepted tradition of what singing is. And then there's like cultural versions of that and then niche versions of that. And I found my own way. I make music that that's for my voice specifically. And so... Um, and on this record, I tried to extend that a little bit more to see what else I could do, tapping into the idea of like the studio. Everything is kind of synthesized in the in, in the studio, even your voice. I mean, like I'm capturing like the perfect take, and like when something is like in real time or live or in in the wild, it's it's just what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. That's always exciting to look at the voice and know what it is, but then also um, manipulate it. Not in like kind of an auto-tune kind of way, but manipulate the idea of like how many times can you record your voice over and over again on top of each other or how can you like remove or add things of nuance that maybe no one would even notice, but it's like a feeling that's implied within it. And so the voice still uniquely can contribute to all these things, whether it's like something that's so complicated as like a, as a recording studio where you can do all these different tricks or not. It can still be it can move you in so many different ways by just like talking or singing or speaking. And so I think that's, for me, that's like the one thing. Well, and something else that you do with your voice is you sing in both Spanish and English. Your parents immigrated from Ecuador. um, And I wanted to know if Spanish serves you in a way or in context that English doesn't, whether it sounds better in Spanish or it taps into an emotion more effectively. Maybe. Maybe, maybe subconsciously it does. I think I don't necessarily try to find a pattern or a strategy with that. I think it's true to say that sometimes, but I also feel I've come to like newer feelings about language recently in terms of how important it is to understand that language isn't what connects us, you know, to understand that language has always been a um, device. It's been a technology of communicating. And so it should evolve and it should have, it should never be um, attached to a formality. You know, it's just like religion in my, in my, in my views, you know, it's like 
something that's like so organized and so um so rigid that it actually defies the the true feeling of it that's kind of where language does fall short like some things can't be expressed in words or let alone translated from one language to another i think a lot of people really like cherish like diversity in language dialect and words that are made up words that are made up to create a bridge for things that don't have that feeling in them yet and i think spanish has that because english doesn't for certain words that's all it's not that it has something more or something less but then things in english have a way of um doing things that words in spanish don't and and i'm sure it's like that all over the world you know with different dialects and languages but i think through that there's like the essence of like culture and food and dance and and so many things and and you know and clothes and and the way uh people are i think that's that's the things that that really like inhabit words you know yeah I like that. Well, there's one more song I want to play for this conversation. Let's listen to Aguas Frias. Sure. translation of that you say I think I forgot how to write my name and I think I forgot how to write yours but every time I close my eyes I see your face and hopefully next time I'll remember your name so who are you speaking to there maybe it's better for me to give you more context for what the song came from it was speaking to this whole idea of like connecting with nature it was like a really special moment in Texas where I went to this place called Aguas Frias and and it was like in the middle of nowhere it's like two hours away it was super hot and there was like a swimming hole in this tree and it's like in this cavern of this mineral quarry and there was like these crystals and it was just like this really magical place and i was having this like intense connection with nature just like this really like overwhelming feeling of like spirituality in context of the earth and it was wonderful i think there's like these moments these feelings that you don't know how to give them names and so it's like, I think I forgot your name, you know, and I think I also forgot my name in the process. And you were speaking to nature. Yeah, in, in a lot of respects. Or a spirituality of nature, for sure. The spirit that kind of fills you with it, you know, uh, that, that feeling of like, the overwhelming feeling of just the unknown, you know. I, I think that's, I'm trying to, it's hard to even, that's why I wrote a song about it. What it sounds like you're describing is our human association with nature that is as old as time but our disconnection from it feels like we've forgotten and coming back to it you were like oh there you are definitely and then the the last words where I'm saying like next time I see you I hope I can remember your name you know and I think that's what the song is about that's beautiful where does that where does your yearning or your longing to be in nature? You, it brought you here to Asheville. Where does that come from? Where does, where does that peace come from? Like you said, I think maybe it's just tale as old as time. I think we're all wanting that connection and maybe the, the times that we have it sometimes feel like you're a tourist. Sometimes you really want to feel like you're actually connected and not just something that's visiting. 
I think that's that's part of it for sure. And and I and I really enjoy it. I want to be a part of it, but it's also like uh, sometimes it's shit's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. There are cliffs and waterfalls and venomous snakes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been such a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you, Cass. I appreciate it. What a wonderful time. The Mezzanine is a production of Citizen Studios, located at Citizen Vinyl in Asheville, North Carolina. The theme music was composed and produced by Gar Ragland. This episode was engineered by Daniel Sheeran. Eric Piper is our graphic designer. Kirsten Clower manages our website. Special thanks for this episode goes out to Elado Negro. And I'm your host, Cass Harrington. See you next time. Mm-hmm.